they had reached the top of the passage. The querulous voice was much louder now, but it quavered more. They saw an archway, and beyond the archway, a lighted chamber. Agag's room, without doubt, said Ashna, taking a better grip on his sword. Possibly, said Elric. He felt detached from his body. Perhaps it was the heat and the exhaustion, or it was the growing sense of disquiet. Something made him withdraw into himself and hesitate before entering a chamber. The place was octagonal, and each of its eight sloping sides was of a different colour, and each colour changed constantly. Occasionally the walls became semi-transparent, revealing a complete view of the ruined city or collection of cities far below, and also a view of the twin castles to this one still connected by tubes and wires. It was the large pool in the centre of the chamber which attracted their attention mostly. It seemed deep and was full of evil-smelling, viscous stuff. It bubbled. Shapes formed in it, grotesque and strange, beautiful and familiar. The shapes seemed always upon the brink of taking permanent form before falling back into the stuff of the pool. And the voice was still louder, and there was no question now that it came from the pool. What? Who invades? Elric forced himself closer to the pool, and for a moment saw his own face staring out at him before it melted. Who invades? I am too weak. Elric spoke to the pool. We are of those you would destroy, he said. We are those on whom you would feed. Agak! Agak, I am sick! Where are you? Ashnar and Brute joined Elric. The faces of the warriors were filled with disgust. Agak, growled Ashnar, the lynx, his eyes narrowing. At last some sign that the sorcerer is here. The others had all crowded in, to stand as far away from the pool as possible, but all stared fascinated by the variety of the shapes forming and disintegrating in the viscous liquid. I weaken. My energy needs to be replenished. We must begin now, Agak. It took us so long to reach this place, I thought I could rest, but there is disease here. It fills my body. Agak. Awaken, Agak. Some servants of Agak's? Charged with the defence of the chamber, suggested Hound Serpent Chamber in a small voice. But Elric continued to stare into the pool as he began. He thought to realise the truth. Will Agak awake? Brute said. Will he come? Glanced nervously around him. Agak! called Ashnar the lynx, coward. Agak, cried many of the other warriors, brandishing their swords. But Elric said nothing, and he noted too that Hawkmoon and Corum and Erikose also remained silent. He guessed that they must be filled with the same dawning understanding. He looked at them. In Erikose's eyes he saw an agony. A pity, both for himself and his comrades. 
We are the four who are one, said Eriko'se. His voice shook. Elric was seized by an alien impulse, an impulse which disgusted and terrified him. No. He attended to sheath Stormbringer, but the sword refused to enter its scabbard. Agak, quickly, said the voice from the pool. If we do not do this thing, said Eriko'se, they will eat all our worlds and nothing will remain. Elric put his free hand to his head. He swayed upon the edge of that frightful pool. He moaned. We must do it then. Corum's voice was an echo. I will not, said Elric. I am myself. And I, said Hawkmoon. But Corum Jalen Ursae said, that's the only way for us, for the single being that we are. Do you not see that? We are the only creatures of our worlds who possess the means of slaying the sorcerers, in the only manner in which they can be slain. Elric looked at Corum, at Hawkmoon, at Ericose, and again he saw something of himself in all of them. We are the four who are one, said Ericose. Our united strength is greater than the sum. We must come together, brothers. We must conquer here before we can hope to conquer Agak. No, Elric moved away, but somehow found himself standing at the corner of the bubbling, noxious pool from which the voice still murmured and complained, in which shape still formed and reformed and faded, and at each of the other three corners stood one of the companions. All had a set, fatalistic look to them. The warriors who had accompanied the four drew back to the walls. Otto Blinker and Brute of Lashmar stood near the doorway, listening for anything which might come up the passage to the chamber. Ashnar the Lynx fingered the brand at his belt, a look of pure horror on his rugged features. Elric felt his arm begin to rise, drawn upward by his sword, and he saw that each of the three companions was also lifting his sword. The swords reached out across the pool and their tips met at the exact centre. Elric yelled as something entered his being. Again he tried to break free, but the power was too strong. Other voices spoke in his head. I understand. This was Quorum's dissident murmur. It is the only way. Oh, no, no, and this was Hawkmoon, but the words came from Elric's lips. Agak! cried the pool. The stuff became more agitated, more alarmed. Agak! Quickly awake! Elric's body began to shake, but his hand kept a firm hold upon the sword. The atoms of his body flew apart and then united again into a single flowing entity which travelled up the blade of the sword towards the apex, and Elric was still Elric, shouting with the terror of it, sighing with the ecstasy of it. Elric was still Elric when he drew away from the pool and looked upon himself for a single moment, seeing himself wholly joined with his three other selves. A being hovered over the pool. On each side of its head was a face, and each face belonged to one of the companions. Serene and terrible, the eye did not blink. It had eight arms, and the arms were still. It squatted over the pool on eight legs, and its armour and accoutrement were all colours blending, and all at the same time all separate. The being clutched a single great sword in all eight hands, and both he and the sword glowed with a ghastly golden light. 
Then Elric had rejoined this body and become a different thing. Himself and three others and something else which was the sum of that union. The four who were one reversed the monstrous sword so that the point was directed downward at the frenetically boiling stuff in the pool below. The stuff feared the sword. It mewled. Agak. Agak. The being of whom Elric was a part gathered its great strength and began to plunge the sword down. Shapeless waves appeared on the surface of the pool. Its whole colour changed from sickly yellow to an unhealthy green. Agak. I die. Inexorably the sword moved down. It touched the surface. The pool swept back and forth. It tried to ooze over the sides and onto the floor. The sword bit deeper, and the four who were one felt new strength flow up the blade. There came a moan. Slowly the pool quietened. It became silent. It became still. It became grey. Then the four who were one descended into the pool to be absorbed. It could see clearly now. It tested its body. It controlled every limb, every function. It had triumphed. It had revitalized the pool. Through its single octagonal eye, it looked in all directions at the same time over the wide ruins of the city. And then it focused all its attention upon its twin. Agak had awakened too late. And he was awakening at last, roused by the dying cries of his sister, Gagak, whose body the mortals had first invaded, and whose intelligence they had overwhelmed, whose eye they now used, and whose powers they would soon attempt to utilize. Agag did not need to turn his head to look upon the being he still saw as a sister. Like hers, his intelligence was contained within the huge eight-sided eye. Did you call me sister? I spoke your name, that is all, brother. There were enough vestiges of Gagak's life force and the four who were one for it to imitate her manner of speaking. You cried out. A dream. The four paused and then it spoke again. A disease. I dreamed that there was something upon this island which made me unwell. Is that possible? We do not know sufficient about these dimensions or the creatures inhabiting them, yet none is as powerful as Agak and Gagak. Fear not, sister. That is nothing. Now I am awake. Agak was puzzled. You speak oddly. Oh, the dream, answered the creature which had entered Gagak's body and destroyed her. We must begin said Agak. The dimensions turn and the time has come. Ha! <laughs> Feel it. It waits for us to take it. So much rich energy. How we shall conquer when we go home. I feel it, replied the four. And it did. It felt its whole universe, dimension upon dimension, swirling all about it. Stars and planets and moons through plane upon plane, all full of the energy upon which Agak and Gagak had desired to feed. And there was enough of Gagak still within the four to make the four experience a deep anticipatory hunger which, now that the dimension had attained the right conjunction, would soon be satisfied.
The fool was tempted to join with Agak and feast, though it knew if it did so it would rob its own universe of every shred of energy. Stars would fade. Worlds would die. Even the lords of law and chaos would perish, for they were part of the same universe. And yet to possess such power it might be worth committing such a tremendous crime. It controlled this desire and gathered itself for its attack before Agak became too wary. Shall we feast, sister? The four realised that the ship had brought it to the island at exactly the proper moment. Indeed, they had almost come too late. Sister? Agak was again puzzled. What? The four knew it must disconnect from Agak. The tubes and wires fell away from his body and were withdrawn into Gagak's. What's this? Agak's strange body trembled for a moment. Sister? The four prepared itself. For all that it had absorbed Gagak's memories and instincts, it was still not confident that it would be able to attack Agak in her chosen form. And since the sorceress had possessed the power to change her form, the four began to change, groaning greatly, experiencing dreadful pain, drawing all the materials of its stolen being together so that what had appeared to be a building now became pulpy, unformed flesh. And Agak, stunned, looked on. Sister, your sanity. The building, the creature that was Gagak, threshed, melted and erupted. It screamed in agony. It attained its form. It laughed. Four faces laughed upon a gigantic head. Eight arms waved in triumph. Eight legs began to move, and over that head it waved a massive, single sword. And it was running. It ran upon Agak, while the alien sorcerer was still in his static form. Its sword was whirling, and shards of ghastly golden light fell away from it as it moved, lashing the shadowed landscape. The four was as large as Agak, and at this moment it was as strong. But Agak, realising his danger, began to suck. No longer would this be a pleasurable ritual shared with his sister. He must suck at the energy of this universe if he was to find the strength to defend himself, to gain what he needed to destroy his attacker, the slayer of his sister. Worlds died as Agak sucked. But not enough. Agak tried cunning. This is the centre of your universe. All its dimensions intersect here. Come, you can share the power. My sister is dead. I accept her death. You shall be my partner now. With this power, we shall conquer a universe far richer than this. No, said the four, still advancing. Very well, but be assured of your defeat. The four swung its sword. The sword fell upon the faceted eye within which Agak's intelligence pool bubbled, just as his sisters had once bubbled. But Agak was stronger already and healed himself at once. Agak's tendrils emerged and lashed at the four, and the four cut at the tendrils as they sought its body. And Agak sucked more energy to himself. His body, which the mortals had mistaken for a building, began to glow burning scarlet and to radiate an impossible heat. The sword roared and flared so that black light mingled with the gold and flowed against the scarlet. And all the while the four could sense its own universe shrinking and dying. Give back, Agak, what you have stolen, said the four. Planes and angles and curves, wires and tubes, flickered with deep red heat in Agak's side. 
the universe whimpered. I'm stronger than you now, said Agak. And Agak sucked again. The four knew that Agak's attention was diverted for just that short while as he fed, and the four knew that it too must draw energy from its own universe if Agak were to be defeated. So the sword was raised. The sword was flung back, its blades slicing through tens of thousands of dimensions and drawing their power to it. And then it began to swing back. It swung and black light bellowed from its blade. It swung and Agak became aware of it. His body began to alter, down toward the sorcerer's great eye, down towards Agak's intelligence pool swept the black blade. Agak's many tendrils rose to defend the sorcerer against the sword, but the sword cut through them as if they were not there, and it struck the eight-sided chamber which was Agak's eye, and it plunged on down into Agak's intelligence pool, deep into the stuff of the sorcerer's sensibility, drawing up Agak's energy into itself, and thence into its master. The four who were one. And something screamed through the universe, and something sent a tremor through the universe, and the universe was dead, even as Agak began to die. The four did not dare wait to see if Agak were completely vanquished. It swept the sword out back through the dimensions, and everywhere the blade touched, the energy was restored. The sword rang round and round, round and round dispersing the energy, and the sword sang its triumph and its glee. And little shreds of black and golden light whispered away and were reabsorbed. For a moment the universe has been dead. Now it lived and Agak's energy had been added to it. Agak lived too, but he was frozen. He had attempted to change his shape. Now he still half resembled the building Alaric had seen when he first came to the island. But part of him resembled the four who were one. Here was part of Coram's face. There a leg, here a fragment of sword blade, and if Agak had believed at the end that the four could only be defeated if its own form were assumed, just as the four had assumed Gagak's form. We had waited so long. Agak sighed and then he was dead, and the four sheathed its sword. Then there came a howling through the ruins of the many cities and a strong wind blustered against the body of the four, so that it was forced to kneel on its eight legs and bow its four-faced head before the gale. Then, gradually, it reassumed the shape of Gagak, the sorceress. Then, gradually, it reassumed the shape of Gagak, the sorceress. And then it lay within Gagak's stagnating intelligence pool. And then it rose over it, hovered for a moment, withdrew its sword from the pool. And then four beings fled apart. And Elric and Hawkmoon and Ericose and Coram stood with sword blades touching over the centre of the dead brain. The four men sheathed their swords. They stared for a second into each other's eyes and all saw terror and awe there. Elric turned away. He could find neither thoughts nor emotions in him which would relate to what had happened. There were no words he could use. He stood 
looking dumbly at Ashnar the lynx, and he wondered why Ashnar giggled and chewed at his beard and scraped at the flesh of his own face with his fingernails, his sword forgotten upon the floor of the grey flesh. Forgotten upon the floor of the grey chamber. Now I have flesh again. Now I have flesh, Ashnar kept saying. Auric wondered why Hone Serpent Tamer lay curled in a ball at Ashnar's feet, and why, when Brute of Lashmar emerged from the passage, he fell down and lay stretched upon the floor, stirring a little and moaning as if in disturbed slumber. Otto Blinker came into the chamber. His sword was in its scabbard. His eyes were tight shut, and he hugged at himself, shivering. Auric thought to himself, I must forget all of this, or sanity will disappear forever. He went to Brute, helped the blonde warrior to his feet. What did you see? More than I deserved for all my sins. We were trapped. Trapped in that skull. And then Brute began to weep as a small child might weep. And Alaric took the tall warrior in his own arms and stroked his head and could not find words or sounds with which to comfort him. We must go, said Irikose. His eyes were glazed. He staggered as he walked. Thus, dragging those who had fainted, leading those who had gone mad, leaving those who had died behind, they fled through the dead passages of Gagak's body, no longer plagued by the things she had created in her attempt to rid the body of those she had experienced as an invading disease. The passages and chambers were cold and brittle, and the men were glad when they stood outside and saw the ruins, the sourceless ruins, the red, static sun. Otto Blinka was the only one of the warriors who seemed to retain his sanity through the ordeal when they had been absorbed unknowingly into the body of the four who were one. He dragged his brand from his belt, and he took out his tinder and ignited it. Soon the brand was flaming, and the others lit theirs from his. Elric trudged to where Agiak's remains still lay, and he shuddered it as he recognised in the monstrous stone face part of his own features. He felt that the stuff could not possibly burn, but it did. Behind him Gagak's body blazed too. They were swiftly consumed, and pillars of growling fire jutted into the sky, sending up a smoke of white and crimson which for a little while obscured the red disk of the sun. The men watched the corpses burn. I wonder said Coram, if the captain knew why he sent us here. Or if he suspected what would happen, said Hawkmoon. Hawkmoon's tone was near to resentful. Only we, only that being, could battle Agak and Gagak in anything resembling their own terms, said Erikose. Other means would not have been successful. No other creature could have the particular qualities, the enormous power needed to slay such strange sorcerers. So it seems, said Elric, and he would talk no more of it. Hopefully, said Coram, you will forget this experience as you forgot, or will forget the other. Elric offered him a hard stare. Hopefully, brother, he said. Erikose's chuckle was ironic. Who could recall that? And he too said no more.
Ashnar the lynx, who had ceased his gigglings as he watched the fire, shrieked suddenly and broke away from the main party. He ran toward the flickering column and then veered away, disappearing among the ruins in the shadows. Otto Blenko gave Elric a questioning stare, but Elric shook his head. Why follow him? What can we do for him? He looked down at Hound Serpent Tamer. He had particularly liked the man in the sea-green armour. He shrugged. When they moved on, they left the curled body of Hound Serpent Tamer where it lay, helping only Brood of Lashmar across the rubble and down to the shore. Soon they saw the white mist ahead and knew they neared the sea, though a ship was not in sight. At the edge of the mist, both Hawkmoon and Erikose paused. I will not rejoin the ship, said Hawkmoon. Fell I've served my passage now. If I can find Talorn, this, I suspect, is where I must look. My own feelings, Erikose nodded his head. Elric looked to Coram. Coram smiled. I have already found Talorn. I go back to the ship in the hope that soon it will deposit me upon a more familiar shore. And that is my hope, said Elric. His arms still supported Brood of Lashmar. Brute whispered, What was it? What happened to us? Elric increased his grip upon the warrior's shoulder. Nothing, he said. And then as Elric tried to lead Brute into the mist, the blonde warrior stepped back, breaking free. I will stay, he said. Moved away from Elric. I am sorry. Elric was puzzled. Brute? I am sorry, Brute said again. I fear you. I fear that ship. Elric made to follow the warrior, but Coram put a hand, silver, upon his shoulder. Comrade, let us be gone from this place. His smile was bleak. It is what is back there that I fear more than the ship. They stared over the ruins. In the distance they could see the remains of the fire, and there were two shadows there now shadows of Gagak and Agak as they had first appeared to them. Elric drew a cold breath of air. With that I agree, he told Coram. Otto Blenka was the only warrior who chose to return to the ship with them. Uh, if that's Tanalorn, it is not after all the place I sought, he said. Soon they were waist deep in the water. They saw again the outlines of the dark ship. They saw the captain leaning on the rail his arm raised as if in salute to someone or something upon the island. Captain, called Coram, we come aboard. You are welcome, said the captain. Yes, you are welcome. The blind face turned towards them as Elric reached out for the rope ladder. Would you care to sail for a while into the silent places? The restful places? Yeah, I think so, said Elric. He paused halfway up the ladder and he touched his head. I have many wounds. He reached the rail and with his own cool hands the captain helped him over. They will heal, Elric. Elric moved closer to the mast. He leaned against it and watched the silent crew as they unfurled the sail. Coram and Otto Blinka came aboard. Elric listened to the sharp sound of the anchor as it was drawn up. The ship swayed a little. Otto Blinker looked at Elric and then at the captain, then he turned and went to his captain, saying nothing at all as he closed the door. The sail filled, the ship began to move, 
captain reached out and found Elric's arm. He took Coram's arm too and led them toward the cabin. The wine, he said. It will heal all the wounds. In the door of the captain's cabin, Elric paused. Does the wine have other properties, he asked. Does it cloud a man's reason? Was it that which made me accept your commission, captain? The captain shrugged. What is reason? The ship was gathering speed. The white mist was thicker and a cold wind blew at the rags of cloth and metal Elric wore. He sniffed, thinking for a moment that he smelled smoke upon the wind. He put his two hands to his face and touched his flesh. His face was cold. He let his hands fall to his sides and he followed the captain into the warmth of the cabin. The captain poured wine into silver cups from his silver jug. He stretched out a hand to offer a cup to Eldrick and to Coram. They drank. A little later, the captain said, How do you feel? Elric said, I feel nothing. And that night he dreamed only of shadows, and in the morning he could not understand his dream at all.